It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. This is Jobsolete. I'm Helen Hong. And I'm Matt Beat. And today we're talking about royal mistresses. <laughs> But she earned, as far as we, we can tell, some $200 million in today's money. Here's yet another reason why language can be confusing. Words have different definitions. Take the word mistress, for example. I know, you're likely thinking in your head right now, wait a second, isn't there only one definition of mistress? We know what mistress means. But no, oh no, there are two main definitions. Here's the one that probably sounds familiar. Quote, a woman having an extramarital sexual relationship, especially with a married man. Okay, but here's the other definition. Quote, a woman in a position of authority or control. Huh? That's not the definition I expected. Today, when we think about the word mistress, we don't think of it being literally a job title. As long as there have been kings around, there have been royal mistresses. And yes, that was a job title. So, the king often would seek one or more additional women to be intimate with to actually be their true emotional and sexual companions. Who was going to stop him? He was the freaking king for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm glad, Matt, that you pointed out the two definitions of mistress, because literally I was on the edge of my seat, like, what's the other definition of mistress? And then I was like, oh, right, like the master of the house, the mistress of the house. Like, I'm the mistress of my house. <laughs> right? Like, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> may I speak to the mistress of the house? Yeah, yeah. Like, very old-timey, like the lady of the house, I guess, or the boss lady of the house. But the, I think the definition, the first definition you gave is the one that we all think of when we hear the word mistress, which is side chick. <laughs> side chick. But side yeah. chick, which is the current, like, in the current verbiage is is what it is, but... Back in the day, it was an actual job. 
which is why we're talking about it here on Job Salit. Yes, stay with us. Don't you go off falling in love with another podcast now because, <laughs> yes, <laughs> sorry, that was really bad. Helen, <laughs> when would you say was like the the heyday of the royal mistress? If I had to guess, uh, that it was probably the time when the king was the most powerful person in an entire country. Um, you know, when the king was like, off with his head, and you would actually have to cut this guy's head off. And like you said in your intro, marriages, royal marriages back at that time were, were usually not the choice of the royals. Like it was all like power dynamics, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, the prince of France would marry the princess of Spain as a political marriage. And they, they usually never even met each other before the wedding day. And often they couldn't stand each other. They would just, you know, do the deed to, to have children, but they weren't actually really partners. And a lot of times they were distant relatives. <laughs> oh, that's right. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that led to some genetic complications. But yeah, so this is where mistress comes in. And yeah, the primary thing was uh, that sexual companionship, the intimacy they didn't get from their, their real marriage. So we found this amazing expert. Her name is Eleanor Herman. She literally wrote the book on the topic because she's the author of Sex with Kings, <laughs> um, among other books, uh, great books that she's written. She's a great expert. And she told us what life was like and what marriage was like for kings at that time. The kings were married to women that they ordinarily would never have chosen, right? Like it was a political alliance. Often they didn't know the, his language and they were very disappointed. Uh, I think the funniest story is uh, when Henry VIII ordered up his mail order bride, Anne of Cleves, who was a German princess from a really flattering portrait. And then he met her and he started roaring, whom shall men trust? I see nothing in this woman as men report of her. She is nothing fair and have very evil smells about her. So this is the kind of situation that the kings found themselves in. They married these women. I call it the old portrait trick. They would send this gorgeous picture. And then when the queen came, it's like, oh my God. And you couldn't send her back. You know, that would have been an affront to the nation she came from. It could have resulted in, in war or a trade dispute. See, Matt, catfishing was a thing even back then. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we're basically the same uh, people we were back then. Uh, just <laughs> technology, that's the only difference. Yeah, so this was an official thing. Each court having one official royal mistress, and everybody knew about it. Each royal court only had one official mistress. The French title was maîtresse en titre the mistress in title. It was a kind of sexual prime minister. And even if a king had uh, dozens of women he was sleeping with, there was one woman who held the title at a time. Ooh, so they, so he might have had like 10 side chicks, but there was only one official side chick. That's right. <laughs> I find this all fascinating. Like, who are these women? Like, where did these women even come from? If he's marrying princesses from other countries or even people that he's like related to then who are these women that are becoming his mistresses well these women are the real housewives of orange county or <laughs> the kardashians that's who they are <laughs> they are the nobility they are the uh, aristocracy and uh, the real housewives of versailles is that what you're saying that's what i was trying to say <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, uh, except they they were not married. No, they were single. They showed up. At, they had these big parties, and of course, the king went around and flirted with all these women. So generally, you had to be pretty high up in the hierarchy to even get into these parties. But there were exceptions. Mostly, they were noble women at court. Uh, from noble families, and they might be ladies-in-waiting to the queen, which was a great honor, and you had to have very ancient noble blood to have that honor, and they would just sort of flaunt and, and flirt with the king. There were two important exceptions. One was called Nell Gwynne, and she was a, an almost illiterate actress in the uh, 1660s and 70s, and she was very cute and hilariously funny. Her mother had run a a tavern or a whorehouse. So she came from the dregs of society and she was so funny and cute that they brought her to the king's rooms in the palace. And he liked her so much that he did make her one of his regulars. She was never the uh, official royal mistress. The other one was a century later and her name was Madame Dubarry. And she was the most gloriously beautiful prostitute in Paris. And at this point, Madame de Pompadour had been dead five years and the king was uh, in his 60s and he couldn't really, you know, one of his valets said, listen, do I have the girl for you? She's going to get you, you know, back in the saddle. (laughs) Eleanor is so funny. She's like, he couldn't, you know, (laughs) because they did not have Viagra back then. I'm assuming. I'm just glad she's talking about this more than me, you know, about the specifics (laughs) here. So I didn't know that actually most mistresses were noble women. Yeah, I mean, in most societies throughout history, you know, generally people that have connections and and wealth and power already are the ones who kind of stay in those positions. But, you know, occasionally people slip in. And in 1700s, France was was no exception. So she was talking about Nell Gwynne and uh, Madame Dubarry. But yeah, you spoke with Eleanor, um, not not Madame Dubarry, because <laughs> obviously the audience is probably thinking, well, we know the main job of the mistress here. Uh, but what else did the royal mistress do? Well, it was interesting because I too, like you, I just thought the mistresses would just you know, have sex with the king. And that was like all they did. But actually, it turns out they did a lot more than that. So what other than sex did the royal mistress do? Her job was to offer a haven for the king to relax and to enjoy himself and um, release some of the pressures of, of his job. So she would work with the chef to make sure he had the most fabulous, delicious dinners. Uh, she might get up and sing a song or play a musical instrument, recite poetry. She was on call 24-7. It it wasn't just sexual. And in many cases, it was absolutely exhausting. And she had to do this whether she was sick, whether she was tired. She didn't want to let the king out of her sight for a minute because she was afraid another of these hundreds of beautiful young women would try to get in his good graces and get the title away from her. Can you believe that? So the royal mistresses at the time, not only were they sleeping with the king, they were also his personal assistant and his nanny and his, his like everything, his butler. And, you know, they, she had to do all these different jobs. Otherwise she would get booted. And, you know, and they also, the interesting thing I learned from Eleanor is like, they had very limited ability to actually end up marrying the king.
Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is she breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like, I wonder if there was any possibility for advancement, like career advancement, if you were a royal mistress? Not really. You know, and it was kind of sad because a lot of times the king would love the mistress. They would be in love with each other. But yeah, most did not end up being together ultimately for, you know, happily ever after. Now, sometimes mistresses did actually get to marry the king. Eleanor can kind of go into how it didn't always work out so well. I'd say several uh, kings married their mistresses, and it, it usually 
worked out horribly. I mean, Henry VIII moved heaven and earth and changed the whole religion and killed thousands of people to marry Anne Boleyn. And then after three years, he cut her head off. Like if, if any king would marry his mistress, like he had to be crazy and something had to be done about it and no one was going to stand for it. It was shaming and dishonoring the whole nation. Oh, that Henry VIII. I mean, come on. What a moody, mood swinging guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that definitely did not end well for Anne Boleyn. But so the few handful of times that a king did end up marrying the mistress, Eleanor saying it was like really bad news bears. But did their kids make out well, you think? Oh, yeah. So sometimes the mistress would get pregnant with the king's child, of course. This is before, well before birth control was widely available and widely understood. So, so yeah, mistresses would have children with the king. And of course, these were seen as illegitimate children. But what's fascinating is that, as I said earlier, genetically, often these kids would have an advantage. They'd be healthier, stronger. They would be able to, they'd have qualities that generally actually would make for a better king. It's almost a stereotype, but you kind of think throughout history of many kings, especially when it's the lineage goes so far, is that the kings kind of get weaker and they kind of, they're less assertive. Because they're, because they're interbreeding, right? They're interbreeding. Exactly. That's never good for the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's the makes me slightly uncomfortable to talk about. But yeah, illegitimate children sometimes mixing in with royal blood was actually beneficial for um, the future of the royalty in the country. So mm. Henry IV, there's an interesting uh, account of his children, his illegitimate children. We'll let Eleanor explain that. There's a funny story about Henry IV of France, who insisted on raising his, maybe he had 12 or 15 bastards, in the royal nursery with his many legitimate children. Because he had so many children, he couldn't keep them straight. So he had this piece of paper in his pocket. And when he visited them in the, in the royal nursery, it had like their names, their descriptions, and the names of their mothers. It was just, it was confusing. He didn't know who was who. He didn't know who was a legitimate child, who was an illegitimate child. He's like, hey, little, uh, hold on, uh, Bobby. Yes, Bobby. You're Bobby and you're, hold on, hold on. Your mother is. <laughs> I can re- I can totally relate to that. It's, you know. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> My huge brood. You know, I'll, I'll give it up to him. At least he was trying to raise his children. You know, I'm sure a lot of the kings would have bastards and want nothing to do with them and, you know, and send them packing, right? That's the silver lining. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's a positive spin on it. So the bottom line, Matt, is this sounds like a sucky job. <laughs> if you're If you're like, you can never become the queen. And if you do become the queen, he might cut your head off after he gets bored with you. Not only that... If the king died, what do you think happened to the mistress? Oh, yeah. She was probably off with her head. It gets even worse, yeah. One thing these women had to worry about is when their king died. The um, new king is generally going to be the dead king's son, who's going to be really angry at these women for insulting their mother, the queen. You know, some of them had some terrible things happen to them when, when that occurred. One of them was marched through the streets wearing a dunce cap and pelted with horse turds. Madame Dubarry was put in a convent to scrub pots and pans uh, for a year. 
And then when she came out, it was the French Revolution and they cut her head off. So that was really the that was really the end of the official royal mistress job was the French Revolution. I'm trying to think of what I would hate more getting horse turd thrown at me or having to scrub pots and pans in a convent. I think it's I think it's like 50 50. Yeah, they're <laughs> both pretty bad. And th- but I guess all of that's not as bad as had, having your head cut off. <laughs> well, but, th- you know, who knows what happens after that. So, so far, we've only told you about the horrible things about the job and how it basically was like the worst job on earth. So coming up, we're going to look at why. Why did these women want to do this horrible job? Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up (laughs) you couldn't believe it from iheart podcasts it's like the police knew who he was before they got here a story about money power and corruption the medical school dean at usc was leading a secret double life he's breathing yes he's absolutely breathing i'm a doctor actually there's no way that that guy's a doctor i'm paul pringle and i'm an investigative reporter for the la times This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. 
It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Helen, you want an upside to being a royal mistress? I would very much like an upside because it seems like a horrible job. Well, let me introduce you to two of my friends, Wealth and Power. It was, for a couple of centuries, the most desirable profession for thousands and thousands of women in the various European countries. Because hundreds of years ago, a woman, no matter how intelligent she was, couldn't go into business and make millions of dollars or go into politics. She was severely limited. And the only way uh, a woman could, could achieve great position, great power, and great wealth was to become the royal mistress. And the funny thing is that the, the royal mistress had much nicer rooms than the queen herself. So in Versailles Palace, the queen had a suite of 11 rooms and the royal mistress had 14 rooms that were really much nicer. Ooh, that's a good side check gig. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. The reason why women wanted to do this job, this crappy job, is because it was completely crappy times for women. Yeah. (laughs) And we always think of queens as ruling just as much as the kings have throughout history, you know, but uh, a lot of times they were jealous of these mistresses, not just because of the sexual relations, but, but because they literally had less power and wealth, which to me, when I first found this out, I was I was very surprised. I guess if you're like an upper middle class noblewoman and then you get in with the king and you're like living at Versailles with 14 rooms and I assume you're wearing like the nicest silk dresses and eating the best food. I guess that is a good gig for as long as you can keep it along with your head. (laughs) Yeah. So that's another question is what if they they wanted to leave and actually, you know, have a a life outside of this crazy relationship with a king, you know, could they do that? Could they retire and, <laughs> you know, have a pension? And Most royal mistresses might last, you know, a few years, and then they would be replaced by a younger one. Uh, and they were pensioned off. They, they generally got, as a retirement present, they were ennobled. So they'd become a countess or a duchess and get the castle and the, the lands. And, and some of these w- women, there were some even in their early 40s who they, they got married and they had children. And so they were really much happier post-royal mistress. And the cool thing about being uh, ennobled is that nobody could ever take that away from you. And and this is really the main reason why all of these women were throwing themselves at the the smelly old king, right? Is because the rewards were absolutely enormous. Madame de Pompadour was in her position for 19 years. So that is certainly longer than most. But she earned, as far as we we can tell, some $200 million in today's money. What? $200 million. Now that is a damn good pension. Exactly. Well, you know, those assets. I'm trying to put myself in the place of Madame Pompadour and be like, is $200 million worth sleeping with a stinky old 
probably fat, gross king for 19 years. And <laughs> hmm, it's a toss up. And b- basically following him around and entertaining him while you weren't having sex with him. You were. <laughs> uh, I'm glad she brought up Madame de Pompadour because uh, that's kind of, I think, the most famous royal mistress because there are movies about her and... But yeah, two hundred million dollars in wealth. But it's wow. <laughs> it makes sense now because so far I was like, why would anyone want this job? But if you if you're savvy enough and lucky enough to not have the king cut your head off, then if you could retire with two hundred million dollars and like Eleanor was saying, like eventually get married to someone else that you actually did like and have kids, like. That would be awesome. That would be a dope life. Heck yeah. You know, that it's it's so that it brings up such an interesting point that I guess if you were in such a public position, that means the public supported the title of a mistress. You know, their taxes were the ones that were paying for, you know, all the fancy clothes and the and the and the rooms in the palace and stuff. So up to that point, the people were like, Yeah, the king should have a royal mistress and that's fine and you know, mm-hmm. we'll help pay for it. But then at a certain point the people were like, Nah. Yeah. I mean, the enlightenment ever since these countries uh started rebelling against kings, you know, United States, France, others yeah. around the world, like, oh, individual liberties are more important and uh, divine rule is actually, that's not real. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're, if you're willing to cut your king's head off. Then you're willing to <laughs> you're like, get yeah. rid of the royal mistress as well. And you can't have a mistress either. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to lose your head and your royal mistress. Oh, double whammy. <laughs> You know, for hundreds of years, the the people, like the average people, were really upset to see all of their tax money, and they were squeezed really hard. If you were rich and noble, you'd pay no taxes. If you had like one chicken, somebody would come and take it for for taxes, right? And so they were really upset at these women seeing them drive by with their horses and carriages, you know, loaded down with jewels. Um, so they they really um, were, were sick of it. And then the French Revolution occurred and um, they cut off the head of um, the last French uh, royal mistress, as I said. And then th- the next French monarch was Napoleon. Well, he didn't um, want a royal mistress. He didn't want to g- give any woman that much power. He had lots of lovers. Uh, he did. He hated the idea of women meddling in politics and he said, adultery is 15 minutes on a couch, which probably doesn't say very much for his skill in the sack. So the, the adultery continued, um, but it wasn't, uh, they, they really tried to hide it. And these women were no longer made duchesses or countesses or, or given all that money. That's interesting that Napoleon didn't want a mistress because he didn't want to give any woman that much power. Oh, uh, yeah. Not only complex, but also sexism. Yeah, it kind of fits his character. Bad form, Napoleon. Not bad form. What about modern examples, Helen? Can you think of any? I do know that, like, for instance, China, the you know, the emperor of China back in the day had concubines. Is that like a royal mistress? It was. I mean, essentially, it was like the same position, and you had you had the same uh, dynamic going on there, and in other parts of the world as well. We have records of from the Ottoman Empire. Uh, it was a thing there. So Eleanor is going to tell us more about that. 
just to compare and contrast, and I know that in uh, China, as long as there was an emperor, um, there, there was a harem, and um, they would uh, periodically have a kind of beauty contest in, in different parts of the country where uh, you know, royal uh, messengers would go out and they'd look at all the beautiful young girls. Uh, they'd bring the, um, the prettiest ones back to Beijing. And um, then these, um, these older women would stare at them when they were sleeping to see if they snored, did they have bad breath, you know, were they flatulent? I, I don't know, all of these things. And then they would pick like just the top, the top six, the top 12, and then um, you know, stick them in the harem. And I also studied the, um, the Turkish sultans and they had a harem and women would just go in there and disappear and you'd never hear from them again. Uh, when the, um, the Ottoman Empire fell, it was at the end of World War I, I think, 1918, 1919, something like that. And so they opened up the harem and here were all of these women of various ages. Now, the younger ones just went back to their families, but some were like 80 years old and they didn't, they didn't know if, where their families were or how to contact them. That's kind of scary. That sounds so ominous. Like women would just go in there and disappear and you'd never hear from them again. Like <laughs> I think people knew though. I think people knew. I think definitely in Europe, the royal mistress gig is done and gone. I think now if you're a mistress, like Prince Charles had a mistress when he was married to Princess Diana, and I'm sure other modern royals have mistresses right now, but I don't think that they're, I don't think it's a paid position like a royal mistress was back in the day. I did hear an interesting tidbit about the king of Thailand. Really? Yeah, that the king of Thailand has concubines that he can make like an official second wife. I was going to say, we could, there, there could be uh, similar positions we just are not aware of. So I'd love to actually, if the audience can share those with us, that would be great. But yeah, it's fairly obsolete uh, in terms of what we think of the historical definition. Jobsolete is produced for iHeartRadio by Zealot Manufacturing Hand Forge Podcast for you. It's hosted by us, Helen Hong, that's me, and Matt Beat. That's me. The show was conceived and produced by Jason Elliott, Steve Zamarki, and Anthony Savini. Our editor is Tommy Nickel. Our researcher is Amelia Polka. Our production coordinator is Angie Jaimez. And theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. A special thanks to our iHeartRadio team, led by Nikki Etor, Katrina Norvell, Ali Cantor, Mangesh Hadi Kador, Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, and Bob Pittman. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. 
I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.